0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Great season. I've loved doing this Come Holy Spirit season, this series as a church, crying out to God and joining in that prayer, that ancient prayer that the church has been praying for millennia. Come Holy Spirit echoing what Jesus told his disciples in the Gospel of John when he, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And in our way, we receive. We say, God, we need you. We can't earn it. We can't strive for it. All we can do is receive it. All you can do is receive the Spirit of God. And he loves to fill his people and, and overwhelm us. And uh, my prayer is that, that that will continue to happen. I've loved seeing what God has been doing over this season and my prayer is that it's not just a one-off. But actually more and more we will know the presence and the power of the Spirit that fills us with love and sends us out with love. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit today as we, as we land. This is the last Sunday of our season uh, and this series, Come Holy Spirit. And uh, today we are, we are looking at the unity of the Spirit. See, when we're filled with the Spirit, there is something that we all have. As I said, the Spirit is available to all of us. Anyone who's in Christ received the Spirit. And, uh, and we have the one and the same Spirit. The Spirit that is in me, the Holy Spirit, is the same Holy Spirit that is in you. We are unified by the one and the same Spirit. We receive His Spirit and we're unified Together. I want to take you back to 1995. Who was not alive in 1995? Just stick your hand up high in the sky, just so that everyone else can look around and feel jealous. In 1995, I was in grade 12. It was my last year of high school. And not only was it a significant year for me in my schooling, it was a significant year in rugby league. I know you're all very excited about this, but in 1995, there was a rugby league war going on. There was what they called the Super League War. And uh, and basically, Rupert Murdoch came in and started a new league and pulled a whole bunch of the, the 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 rugby league teams, including the Brisbane Broncos, away, and they started a new league. And so you had the Super League and the ARL, and they were both playing the season at the same time. Anyone remember that? Anyone living around that time? And uh, and it was incredibly disruptive. But there was there was a uh, there was a great series where where um uh. Uh, with that state of origin series, because half the players and most of the really good Queensland players, because they all played for the Brisbane Broncos, couldn't play for the Queensland team. And so it was they 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 put together this Queensland team to play the might of New South Wales. And uh, there were a bunch of nobodies. And the coach was Paul Fatty Vorton, who was kind of like this comedian on the footy show, if anyone remembers that rubbish TV show. And and he he was kind of like this funny guy. And all of a sudden, he's this coach of this rabble group of football players who nobody knew about. If you know the story... Uh, it's a, a fabled story about how that Queensland team, as they came together, they did an amazing thing. They actually won the series 3-0. You know, it, was, it, was that, it was that iconic series where, if you, if you, uh, for those who are watching, if you've heard this phrase or this shout out, Queenslander! Queenslander, Billy Moore coming out at halftime, yelling out, Queenslander, Queenslander. And, 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 and those of us, anyone who is here, just a Blues fan, anyone here, Pete Hunt, over the other Hunts over there? Boo, boo. <laughs> but, 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 but we know, we know there's, there's something, there's something, there's, there's, I won't point you all out, but there, there, is this, there is this idea, right, that when you put on a Queensland jersey, Something changes. When you put this jersey on, you get the spirit of Queensland and you become superhuman. You have this this thing in you, this spirit within you that makes you play in an incredible way. And I'm going to keep this jersey on because I'm believing that I'm going to preach 50% better this morning. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm actually going to take it off. <laughs> if I can. This could be this. I didn't think of this part, actually. How do I take it off? In a moment. I just. I felt, I'm, just I'm still on to walk in the spirit of Queenslander. The team, when they put their jersey on, when they put this journey on the Queensland team, they begin to play out of their skin. And man, it's fable. You know, we know. We get every year round State of Origin time the spirit of. Queensland, unifying a team, a team together who are underdogs to do extraordinary things. You know, there is another spirit that unites us. There is another spirit that brings us together. And it's not a Queensland jersey. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit that unifies us the one Spirit drawing us together to play our part in a team. And Paul writes this in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read this passage together this morning and we're going to look at how the Spirit works in us to unify us, to empower us, to lead us to go and do extraordinary things in the name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, As a prisoner for the Lord then... But each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. as each part does its work. We read here that Paul says, firstly, I want you to make unity of the Spirit a priority. I want you to make it a priority. He says in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, You know, there is something about, for Paul, and I think we know this in general, there is something about prison, and let me just speak to Paul for a moment, then we can get metaphorical, but there's something about prison that provides perspective on priorities. Oh, I love those, that's great alliteration right there, isn't it? For Paul, prison provides perspective on priorities. Just add another P there, just to, while I could. See, Paul finds himself in prison. He's unable to have access to that which he longs for, that is being part of community. He is literally in prison. He is writing from prison. And he doesn't have access to that which he deeply longs. There is something, isn't there? Something when we can't have what we long for, it gives us a new appreciation for it. You know, we think back to COVID, remember that time? When we were locked down for a whole bunch of months and we couldn't get out and all of a sudden, it was fun for a while, all the introverts were going, oh, this is amazing. And some of you are still longing for those days. But if you're really honest, introverts and extroverts, we know they're actually designed and we need to be with other people. We need to be with family. We need to be with friends. And Paul here is going, I want you to understand, as I write from prison, That being together, being in unity, being in community is of vital vital importance. You need to be in physical community. Don't miss it. This is a message that we need to hear from Paul from prison for ourselves. That being together in community, being together, the unity of the Spirit, walking together is of vital importance. Don't forget it. Don't miss it. I feel like one of those older people who had kids and now talking to a parent or someone with small kids. You know, those parents, they we used to have them and say, Oh, oh, don't, don't miss those days, you know. Oh, don't, don't just make every moment of the opportunities you're standing there as a, a parent of three young kids going, help me, I've only had three hours' sleep. Oh, don't regret, don't miss it. Make the most of it. They're wonderful days. It's like, yeah, you want to come back and you can look after these brats. <laughs> Paul's saying, make the most. Don't miss. Make it a priority. Being in unity. Unity of the Spirit is of prime importance and it's spiritually significant for us. It's spiritually significant for a couple of reasons. Community is important. Let me give you two reasons. One, because we're created for it. Let's go right back to Genesis. God creates the heavens and the earth, he creates all things and he puts Adam in the garden. And what does he say? He looks at a creation and it is very good. But there's one thing that's not good in the garden. What's the thing that he says is not good? It's not good that man is alone. It's not good. See, we're created in the image of God, we're created for community and so God creates Eve, community. We are not created to walk alone. We're created to be with others in community. That's the first reason. The second reason is we're called to be in community. We are followers of Jesus, called to be in his body, it's where we find our identity. To be a Christian is to be in the body of Christ, as Paul articulates in this passage. We are called, once we're in Christ, we are called to be part of Christian community. We're a new person with a new identity in a new people group. We are called to be in community. But we know that being in a community is actually not easy. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to live in unity, particularly when we live in a divided world. I don't know, we know this, right, because we're told all the time, and we see it, that we're living in a more and more polemic commu- uh, time, polemic world. It feels like the narrative goes, there are only two sides to any argument. Do you ever feel like this? And maybe this is because I'm a bit more of a centrist. like I'm always looking for the nuance. I'm looking for where the middle ground is. But it feels like, particularly with media, because this is how you sell papers. This is how you sell media online. You've got to go for the polemic. And so we live in this world where you're either uber left or you uber right or you you have a very strong opinion on this side a very strong opinion on this side and the whole narrative that we get pumped that is it's just all about polemic there's no middle ground you're either really good or you're really bad and there's nothing in between we live with echo chambers and cancel culture and whilst we talk you know i could be giving this talk anywhere and people are going oh yes of course, we need community. Yes, we are living in a, a pandemic of loneliness, and we need community. I mean, I could I could stand, I could go on Q and A, and say this, and everyone, everyone, of course, yes, yes, of course. You know, we 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 agree as as a world that yes, community is important, but we have no muscles to even know how to do that, how to live with community and the church living in community and in unity and the church is not immune from this. If we're really honest, we just have to look back through church history to see how we find just the the smallest thing to have a fight over. What? You disagree on this minutia part of the interpretation of Scripture? That's it. I'm starting my own church. (laughs) We do it so well don't we unity and community is hard but this is where paul writes and he pleads as he is writing from prison he is saying oh fight for it pursue the unity of the spirit and there is something in that phrase which is a key for us this morning it's not just unity It's unity of the Spirit. See, we have been given the Holy Spirit that enables us and helps us to walk through difference, to walk through polemic with grace, with love, with truth. The gift of the Spirit. And I want to to look at three things really quickly about what unity of the Spirit does for us that enables us to walk in grace and in truth and in community. Firstly, the unity of the Spirit grows maturity. Secondly, it reveals the character of God. And thirdly, it proclaims hope, proclaims hope to a divided world. So we're going to look at that really quickly. Firstly, the unity of the Spirit, of the Spirit grows in us. Maturity. God puts us together together. From a whole range of different backgrounds and stories, and we're mashed together in this room here. You know, th- th- this is the beauty of the church. As I look out in this place right now, we are all very different. So, one of the things I love actually about being in the city is that we have across our services, we have people that come from many different places. Many different contexts, many different cultures, many different nations. Now, in this building right now, we have different families that we come from, different socioeconomic backgrounds. We have different interests and passions. You know, we're all very different, yet we're all here right now. And at the end of the service, We'll grab a tea or a coffee and we'll spend some time saying hi and talking about life, even though we are very different. It's wonderful, but it's also very difficult. Difference is difficult, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard hanging out with people who are very different because you've actually got really nothing to talk about. (laughs) It's kind of like, or they just really irritate you. Let's be honest. People are annoying. <laughs> it's just just, just true. Um, and, and I say that as someone who is really annoying. <laughs> just ask Megan. I don't even know why she married me. It's still a miracle. See, difference is difficult, but difficulty is what we need to grow. I've, I've started doing... Weights. I know it doesn't look like it, but in six months' time, that shirt will not fit on me, (laughs) Queenslander. Um, And uh, and so you know, I'm 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 pumping five kilos, and I'm just I'm breaking down my muscles, you know. But that see, here's the thing: if you want to put on muscle, I know this much. If you want to grow, you got to break down your muscle, and that's painful, and that's difficult. And that takes discipline. If we're to grow in maturity, we've actually got to walk through difference because difference is difficult. It's hard. Actually, being in unity with one another and being confronted with people who see the world very different to you and who vote very different to you and have a completely different worldview than you, other than faith in Christ, that's hard but it actually does something in us and grows us. And that's why Paul says in verse two, be completely. I I just like that as Paul goes, be completely, not somewhat, not partially, not every now and again, but completely, be completely what? Humble, humble. Oh, humility, that's hard. To actually come and have a conversation with someone who may have a very different opinion to you and go, I'm just going to listen to them. I'm not going to feel like I have to give my opinion right now. I'm going to give that person dignity and listen to them because I don't know everything. That's hard. Be humble. Be completely humble and gentle. Gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Love is the ultimate outworking of the Spirit of God. We only grow in humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another when we're forced to go through difficult times. We don't need to be patient with someone who completely agrees with us and is on the same page and does everything the same way. We don't need to be patient with those people. But we need to be patient with those who challenge us, who come, who have a very different personality to us, who are extremely introverted or extremely extroverted or whatever it might be. But that's exactly why we need the presence of God in us and that is how we grow. We grow. The unity of the Spirit matures us in our personal character. And again, this is a gift for us people. I've only just become aware and I know I'm a little bit slow and antiquated but I've come across ghosting. ever heard of ghosting? I know this is like some of you are going, oh, Andrew, that was like two years ago. Um, I can see some smiling over there. I know I'm, I'm down with the kids now. Ghosting. Ghosting is this thing where you just ignore people. I know, Well, you could just call it ignoring people but we like to have labels for everything these days so we're calling it ghosting now, people. You know, where you just, you're an acquaintance or a friend with someone and then because you don't like them or you reject them or you cancel them, whatever, you just ignore them. In a social setting, in messages, whatever it is, you just drop them. See, that's how the world deals with difference. But in community, in unity of the Spirit, we're called to actually live and walk in love. Unity of the Spirit matures us in our personal character, but it also develops us, it grows us, it matures us in community. We actually grow in community and the community does develop and grow. And so Paul says in verse 11 to 13, he says, Listen, I've given the community, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, people who have a role in order, why? So that the church may mature. We have roles, we have gifts, we have abilities to be used in order that the community may grow. A few weeks ago, we did a survey. Did you do that survey of the gifts? If you haven't done it yet, the card's in front of them. Grab it. Please do it. And, I, and here's what we're encouraging you to do. Understand your gift. Discover your gift. Grow in your gift and use your gift. I'd love for you to come and let me know if once you've discovered your gift, what, how you're going to use it. Because we need you. If we're going to grow and mature as a community, we need you. We need people serving in a whole range of areas in this church, out there in our care ministry, and out in the workplace. And we got we got holes to fill everywhere. Just let me know. Just I need to let you know that. In every ministry area, we have gaps. And one of the things that we get to do is as we play our role, as we fulfil our gifts, we together grow. Can you imagine the Queensland football team going going out in the front row and a winger going, you know what, not really feeling it. No thanks, not today. They lose. They don't mature. The team doesn't grow. And in the same way, We mature and grow as we participate in community. We all have a role to play. Unity of the Spirit firstly grows maturity. Secondly, unity of the Spirit reveals the character of God. I want to go through this really quickly and there is a lot that I could spend in this. We could spend a whole series just digging in on the theology of the Trinity. Wouldn't that, I mean, that, that, that's a lecture series right there. And I wouldn't want to be the one teaching it. I'd get Rod Irvine, Rod Irvine to do it. And um, maybe you can have a chat with him after and say, Rod, I really want to know all the intricacies of the Trinity. And I'm sure he would love to tell you. <laughs> let, me just give you the, let me just give you the really quick version. Verse 4. Paul writes this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you are called. One Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What do we see here? We see the three persons of the Trinity. We see the Father. One Father creates one family. We see the Son, one Christ. One Christ creates one faith, one hope, and one baptism. And then there is one Spirit. One Spirit creates one body. We see here a picture of the Trinity, three in one, three persons in one. And the church filled with the Spirit also reflects this amazing, incomprehensible truth that God is three persons in one. Because we're we're many. We're many. There's lots of us, and there are many churches, but we are also one body. The spirit working in and through us, making one body, the body of Christ. See, the church is, in some ways, a picture of who God is. We are a representation of who God is, and it's all made possible, as Jesus said. As, as Paul says, it's all made possible through Jesus. The church should be a picture of who God is and how God works. Because at the centre of God, the central characteristic of God is love. And love is ultimately revealed to us through Jesus who came down and died for us. And that's why even in the middle of this passage, as Paul is writing, he goes into this obscure story, which I'm not going to have time to go into now, but he's basically saying Jesus has descended Jesus came down, God himself came down and died for us and rose again, defeating sin and death, in order that the community, that the church may exist. See, here's the reality, is that right at the centre of this community, our church, the church, capital C church, is the cross. God has reconciled us to himself. We are his body, the body of Christ, the one who came and died for us. And the cross sits central to who we are as a church. See, we can't do all of this. We can't be the unity of God, the body of Christ, unless we have a working understanding of what the cross has done for us. The reality is, is that God has died for you and for me. God has reconciled us to himself, you. You, you. we are not deserving of unity with God. We, we are not deserving of being invited into relationship with God. We're not. We're not holy. We're not perfect. We're not blameless. We are selfish, we're filled with pride, we're broken. We have said, God, we reject you. Yet God descended, as Paul writes, God himself humbled himself and came down and surrendered his life for you and for me. Just, just so you know, you're nothing like Jesus like, like when we talk about difference, you know, you, you might look at, don't look at them now, but there might be people in the church right now that you're really different to and they really annoy you. Don't, don't look now, it'd be really awkward. They really get on your goat. The reality is, is they're far more similar to you than you are of Jesus. <laughs> Yet Jesus came down from heaven to earth to suffer and to die for you so how dare you how dare I look at somebody else and look down my nose look down your nose and say I'm not going to associate with that person or more than that I'm not going to forgive them and I'm not going to love them now I understand right now and maybe we're going to have some time later on to pray about this but Man, churches are full of hurt people. Like, I understand the complexity of relationship. Like, the reality is that some of you have been really hurt by church. I understand that some of you have been really let down by church. And people have said things and done things intentionally or not that have actually caused you great scars and great hurt. But that's where the cross comes in. That's where the cross must come in. That's where forgiveness and freedom and hope and healing and the work of the Spirit bringing unity to the body of Christ must sit. And that is how we reflect the image of God. That's how we show how we walk in a radically different way to the world around us. I understand it's costly, but it's no more costly than what Jesus did for you and for me. The cross must sit central to who we are as a church. And when we walk this out, when we live this out through humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another, then we proclaim to a world the hope of unity. We proclaim to a world that has no idea how to live in difference. We proclaim and say there is a way, and the way is through Jesus. If we can't do it, if we can't do it within our within our church, and I and I mean that both Little C Church, Gateway City, and also Big C Church, the whole Catholic Church. I mean Catholic being Little C. Oh, I'm getting too technical now. Um, the global church, then we have got nothing to say to the world around us. Got nothing to say. And Jesus prays for his disciples. He, he understood that this would be hard. You know how I know that Jesus knew that this whole thing, this whole unity thing would be really hard? Because when Jews, Jesus choose to pray for you and for me, Like specifically pray for you. Jesus does pray for you. He did pray for you. It's amazing he did. You know what he prayed for? He prayed that you would know how to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. John 17, we read this. If I can find it. My prayer. So this is the context. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, i.e., He's just prayed for his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, through the message of the apostles and the disciples. And what's his prayer? That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's a two-pronged thing here. Jesus prays for you and for me that we would be one, just as the triune God is one. That's the first prayer, that we would be one. The second prayer he prays is this, is that as we are one, we would proclaim to the world that's watching on that they will see that we are one that we are in Christ, that we are the body of Christ. That is the prayer that Jesus prays for you and for me. That's how important it is to Jesus. So we need to hear the words of Paul and we need to hear the words of Jesus clearly. We need to walk in the power and the grace of the Spirit. See, it's the Spirit. It's unity of the Spirit that enables us to live in love. It's the Spirit in us, working in us, weaving in us, that enables us to play together, that enables us to love one another, that enables us to walk with radical difference. And my prayer is that that as this church the church in the city, that we would be a church that despite our differences and despite our brokenness and despite our dumb words that we sometimes say and sometimes the actions that we do, intentional or not, that bring hurt, that in it, through it all, the cross may sit central. That we may walk with grace and forgiveness, that we would have humility, that we would have gentleness, that we would have patience, that we would bear with one another in order that the world that's watching on, a city, a community that has no way, mechanics or muscles of actually knowing how to deal with forgiveness, that deals in ghosting and cancel culture and rejection and avoidance that leads to pain and bitterness and brokenness and disorder. We know this, right? We see it in our workplaces, in our universities, in our families all the time, that we as a community may proclaim a different narrative and a different story, that actually we would proclaim, even in the midst of of a time where the church seems to be irrelevant, that seems to be dangerous, that actually in our interactions and in our lives, we will proclaim in a powerful way hope that actually the life of Jesus does matter, that Jesus does change lives, that Jesus has transformed us and that we can walk with a different kind of hope, a different kind of love, a different kind of faith. That is what we have in the Spirit. And we should be excited by that. We should be energised by that. That should uh, uh, just bring your heart to life. That actually we have a power. We have a power that is in many ways impossible in our own strength. But we have access to it in and through the power of Christ that is in us. I'd love to lead us in, a, in, a, in, in a, a kind of a few different phases right now in terms of as we respond. Because I actually want to learn this practically. Firstly, I'd love for you just to think, and I'm going to create a bit of time and space right now, just for you to, just to come before God. And maybe there are people... In your world, in your life, in the church, and I'm speaking specifically of the church right now, that you need to forgive. Uh, It's now now the rubber hits the road. Remember, we gather and we meet around the cross. And the invitation for you, uh, I'd love to, and we're just going to come and create some space and time. We're just going to sit and quiet. And one, I'm just going to allow God to, to speak to you. And then the second part of just this moment and this time is, is for you to actually make it some decisions. What am I going to do? What is my next step? How am I going to with humility, with patience, with gentleness? How am I going to forgive how am I going to reconcile just as Christ has reconciled with me and then we're going to pray for some people perhaps who are just carrying a little bit of hurt perhaps from what relationships in the church have done or previous church experiences and I know that they will be there I'm going to pray for just freedom and release and healing today but before we do that come on let's be still Just invite you just to shut your eyes, just across this place. Who do you need to forgive, and what do you need to do? Maybe as you, uh, as you make your decision, maybe you've got to write that down. Maybe you've got to tap it out on your phone. Maybe you've got to make a calendar. Whatever you need to do. Thank you, Jesus. As we sit here today... As we consider, Lord God, the, the story that we're part of and, and the things that we carry, the people that have heard us, Lord God, or whatever is going on in our, our hearts and our minds right now, God, we, we remind ourselves of what you have done for us. And we thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us. Help us, Lord God, we pray. Help us. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.